Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, this wonderful truth that is contained in your word about your son. Lord, we thank you that he did come into this world. And Lord, we pray that as we consider what your word says about him this morning, we pray that we may understand all the more fully why he came, why God himself would come and live amongst human beings. Oh Lord, we pray that you would make this particularly clear to us this morning as we consider your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you hunger for peace? Peace in the workplace? Peace in the home? Peace in this world? In other parts of the world that you may have visited or parts of the world that you've only seen on the television set, seen conflict going on overseas? Sometimes I really hunger for peace in my home. Uh, particularly as school holidays have already begun and two children are now at home more regularly than they were previously and they seem to have uh, conflict with one another quite regularly. They're not used to being in the same room for extended periods of time like they are during the school holidays. And so we have actually taken up a, a method of paying pocket money over the school holidays to try and bring peace into our home in a way that wasn't there previously. So usually we pay our children at the end of the week on Friday their pocket money. I don't know um, whether I should share how much we pay them. We pay them $2 at the moment. And, uh, and they, of course, don't really know too much about the value of money. They think 10 cents is wonderful. And so what we're doing is through the holiday period, we're encouraging each child to be kind and thoughtful to those around them. And if they are kind and thoughtful through the day, they get 30 cents at the end of the day. Seven days, 30 cents each day makes $2.10, so you've got some annual leave loading uh, applied of 10 cents uh, to each week. So we've got this 30 cents, and so as we go through the day, if they are not kind, if they are unkind, if they are thoughtless to those around them, that little pile of money that we set out each day, three 10-cent pieces, starts to dwindle and can, at the end of the day, disappear altogether. And so we're encouraging the children to be kind and thoughtful. You could say it's a bribe. I call it a reward. Um, so I am encouraging our children to engage in peace in the home, not just to one another, but also to mum and dad, to be kind and thoughtful to those around them. And this is a concept, peace is a concept, that we really do hunger for, not just in our homes, but all around the world. And this is the wonderful message that Christmas has to give us, is that there is a peace, that peace has come to this world and can be had now and in the next life. And that is the message that we'll be looking at this morning from Isaiah chapter 9 and then a little bit from the New Testament as well as we see uh, those shepherds uh, hearing from the angels. We've been going through Isaiah chapter 9 as a church together throughout December and we've been looking at the four names that are given to Jesus, four names that are given to Jesus as the Messiah. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, we see those four names in Isaiah 9 verse 6. If you've got a black church Bible, I encourage you to have it open to page 683. Page 683, Isaiah chapter 9. And look with me at little number 6, which is verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And so over the last three Sundays, we've looked at what does it mean that Jesus is the wonderful counsellor? What does it mean that he is the mighty God? What does it mean that he is the everlasting father? And so today we come to, lucky last, we come to the title Prince of Peace. What does it mean that he will be called Prince of Peace? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning as we examine this title and we see in the New Testament that he does indeed bring peace. And we see that with the angels when they come to those shepherds as they're watching their flocks by night. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, that's a heavenly army, the, the angels there, they appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and then in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, we read, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Peace on earth to those on whom his favour rests. The angels knew that Jesus' birth was associated with peace. Isaiah knew it hundreds of years before Jesus was born, but the angels there came to those shepherds in the field and proclaimed that peace had come may not have seemed like there was much peace happening in that field for them that night. We actually read that they were terrified when all these angels came along. They're probably having a nice evening there in the fields. And then these angels came, disrupted their night, and proclaimed peace to them. Uh, but this is the wonderful news that Christmas brings, is that peace has come through Jesus Christ. But how has Jesus brought peace? How is he the Prince of Peace? What sort of peace does he bring who does he bring peace to? And so my first main point this morning is that the prince grants peace with God. If you want to follow my main points, they're there on the back of the church bulletin that you received as you came in. My first main point is that the prince grants peace with God. To understand the peace that Jesus brings, we firstly have to understand what conflict we have. What war is going on that Jesus brings peace to? And the biggest war that we have, the biggest conflict that we have in our lives is the war that we have with God. Because of our sin, we are at war with God. We have broken his laws. That's what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. When we break God's laws, we are then at war with God. We are rebels against him. Just as if you were to go around breaking the laws of Australia you would then put yourself at enmity. You'd be an enemy of the state. You'd be considered a rebel against the state. And so the state then would be at war with you. You may try and gather a little army around yourself and go against the government. Uh, people have done that in the past in countries and people are doing that in countries around the world as we speak. But here in Australia, I'm not sure how far you would get if you decided to go to war against the state. If you decided to break the laws of Australia and to wage your little battle against the government, I'm sure a few people would have a thing or two to say and a thing or two to do to you if you decided to go to war with them. And it's the same with God. If we break his laws, then we are at war with him. We are rebels against God. And the truth is... We are all rebels against God. We have all sinned. We are all sinners. We have all broken God's laws. When we read the Bible, we first often digest it as bad news. Not good news, as bad news. As we understand that we have broken countless laws of God again and again in different ways. 
Just consider the Ten Commandments, just a few of the Ten Commandments. There's ten of them, let's just consider a couple of them. Honour your parents. Have you kept that law of God? Have you honoured your parents? From a young age, even to later adulthood, one of the blessings we have in the society that we live in is that our parents can live to much later ages than they have previously. Have you honoured your parents? Have you respected them? Have you loved them the way that you should? One of the other commandments is that we should not murder. Now, you may say, oh, I haven't murdered anyone lately, but Jesus interprets that text as saying, that command, that even when we hate those around us, we are guilty of murder. We can murder people in our hearts. And when we do that, we are sinning against God. We are breaking his laws. One of the other commandments, number seven, do not commit adultery, which Jesus interprets as being even when we lust after somebody in our minds, in our hearts, someone who is not our spouse, we commit adultery in our heart. And so we are guilty of committing adultery even if we don't actually do the act itself. Don't steal. Number eight, you may say, oh, I don't go out and break into people's homes. But do you fudge your tax return a little, steal from the state? Have you been tempted to take things from work that don't belong to you? Stationary cupboards seem overflowing with pencils and, and uh, staplers. I love stationary. One of my favourite places to shop is Office Works. If I have some time to kill, I'm prone to going there and just wandering up and down each aisle. Stationary cupboards at workplaces can be little glimpses of heaven, can't they, to some people? And it just seems to be free. You can just take as much as you can. They've got plenty there. It's theft. I know somebody, a member of our church, that was one of the big things that as soon as he became a Christian, he stopped stealing from work. That was one of the things that he just suddenly noticed straight away. He'd take batteries, all kinds of things from work. And when he became a Christian, he suddenly realized that that was wrong. That was rebellion against God. He was a sinner because of those small little acts that he had been committing for decades. And then suddenly he realized that it was wrong and he was rebelling against God. Number nine, Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't lie. It's amazing how quickly children cotton on to the fact that you can lie. One child in our family didn't seem to understand that you couldn't tell lies, uh, that, you, um, that lies were possible. Whenever you asked a question, he always told the truth. I've just revealed which one it is by using the pronoun he. It's trying to be delicate there. The other child that we have just seemed to think it was natural to say the opposite of what had actually happened. And the other child then picked up on the fact that you could actually do that. You don't have to tell the truth all the time. You can actually say to your parents something that gets you out of trouble but is indeed wrong. It is telling a lie. How many of us in this room can claim that we've never lied? We've never rebelled against God in that way. And then one of the Ten Commandments is the first, well, the first commandment is we should worship God and him alone. We should have no other gods. How many of us are guilty of worshipping other things, things other than God, of worshipping ourselves, worshipping other people in our lives, worshipping money, worshipping different possessions? We make them the priority in our lives rather than God. So we are all rebels. It's quite clear once we start to examine God's law, we are all rebels against God. We're all at enmity with him. We all are enemies of God. And if God is a just God, then one day he will take that rebellion quite seriously and punish us accordingly. 
Like the state might not notice at times that you're rebelling against them, but God notices your rebellion. And the state might not catch up with you for a while, but God will catch up with you eventually. And he's promised that one day Jesus will return. And he won't come as a prince of peace, he'll come as a a warrior of war against those who are rebels against God. So that's our biggest conflict. A war that we have made against the one who created us, the one who has all power, who is just and holy. We have this rebellion against our creator. So how are we to be saved from that conflict? How is war to be ended between us and God? Well, it's by Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, coming. How did he bring peace between us and God? Well, it's by his blood at the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19... We read, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus Christ made peace between us and God. He reconciled us with God by Jesus' blood at the cross. He made peace through his blood, through Christ's blood shed on the cross. See, what happened after Jesus was born, he then grew up, became a man, and went to the cross. And on that day where he hung on the cross, God went to war with his son. We deserve God to make war with us because of our rebellion, to declare war on us as rebels against him, our creator, our king. But instead of God declaring war with us, he has made a way for us to be at peace with him because he has declared war on his son many years ago. He inflicted Christ with the punishment that we deserve. And so Jesus took that punishment on his shoulders so that we could have peace with God. And we know that Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. He paid that punishment for us because he came back to life subsequently. If Jesus still owed punishment for us, then he would never have been resurrected. He wouldn't have been raised to life. But instead, he was raised to life. And so that then means we can be right in the eyes of God. We can have peace with God. We can be justified before God rather than be classified as rebels against him. And that's what Romans chapter 5, verse 1 teaches. Another part of the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified, that's a legal standing. If you justify yourself, you're trying to make yourself right in somebody else's eyes. If I justify myself to my wife, I'm trying to make sure that she understands I was in the right. And that's what the Bible says about our relationship with God through Jesus. We are justified through faith, and so we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God because he has justified us through Jesus Christ. Now, how does that come to us? How can people be justified before God? Well, that passage tells us. It tells us that there's only certain people that are justified in the eyes of God. Just as those angels came to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests, so we see in the New Testament that only certain people have peace from God. Those shepherds understood that it was those on whom 
God's favour rests. So who has God's favour resting on them? Well, that's where that passage in Romans chapter 5 tells us. Who has been justified? Who are those who have justification before God? I'll get you to flip with me there because it's such an important passage. Romans chapter 5, which is found on page 1116. 1116. Page 1116. And we'll read chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Page 1116. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, asks the question, who has been justified as we read through it? It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. How can you tell if someone's been justified by God through Jesus? It's because of faith. There in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, again, faith, into this grace in which we now stand. How do you have peace with God? It's by faith. What does faith mean? Another way we can, another word for faith can be believe or trust. Trust is probably the best understanding. If you trust that Jesus Christ died for you, if you believe that that is so, then you are justified before God. Instead of being condemned as guilty before God, you are justified. You are considered right before God. And it comes by faith. You can become a Christian and have peace with God right here, right now, if you simply trust that Jesus Christ died for you. This is what this passage teaches, and it's a profound truth, that it comes immediately to those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Instead of being at war with God and deserving punishment when you die, or if Jesus returns tonight, instead of that happening, you are then given a marvellous inheritance. You have peace with God and can go into heaven and dwell eternally with him. And this is the wonderful truth that is proclaimed in the scriptures. That Jesus has indeed conquered the grave. He has conquered sin. He has conquered our rebellion against God by his blood. God justly punished Jesus in our place so that we could go free. That's just one way that the Prince of Peace brings peace to our lives. There's other ways that he brings peace to our lives. Not just with God. How else does he bring peace to our lives? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. The second main point is that the prince grants peace between humans. The prince grants peace between humans. I think we're all very much aware that humans are in constant conflict with one another. Even in this last year, 2015, things didn't seem to get any better in the world. In fact, we, I think, seem to come to the understanding that things are getting worse as we see more and more graphic images coming through our television sets and through our computer screens as to what is going on in the world, we can see that conflict is all around us. There's acts of terrorism, acts of war going on, on large scales, terrible acts of violence, of humans toward humans. But even in our own lives, we recognise that we have conflict with those around us. 
may not be violent conflict, may not be that we're taking up arms against those around us, but we certainly have conflict with those around us. How many Christmas parties today will actually see conflict happening at them? How many Christmas parties have you been to in the past where people are meant to be happy and joyful and you've actually seen fights breaking out? may not get to fisticuffs, they may not punch each other up, but there's definitely harsh words spoken to one another. How many people won't be at your Christmas party today that you think should be there, family members or friends that have been in the past, and they're not there today because of conflict, because of problems between you or other members of the family and them, and so they won't actually be present there today. Conflict is not just between us and God. Conflict is between us and one another on large scales but also on very small scales. And Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, actually brings peace between humans. In another part of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, God says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Make every effort to live in peace. He commands us to be in peace with those around us. And he actually gives us a grounds as to how we can obtain peace with those around us. We can't always do it, but there's a way that on our end we can actually start to see peace between us and others. We can make an effort to have peace rather than conflict with people. How does that come about? Well, it comes about by understanding that peace that we have with God. Because of the peace that we have with God, we are then able to show peace to those around us. How's that? Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you ever consider that second part of that line? Forgive us our trespasses. Oh yes, God should forgive me. But what comes next? As we forgive those who trespass against us, we should forgive those around us that we have conflict with because God, we expect God to forgive us. And if he has forgiven us for all our rebellion and conflict with him, all our mistakes, all the sins that we have committed against God, then we should be willing to forgive the people around us of the small things, their minor things, in comparison to what we've done against the holy God. We have taken on the king of the universe in rebellion and he forgives us through Jesus. How can we then not forgive those around us who we're not king over? I don't think there's any kings in this room. And we're not king over. They aren't our citizens. And yet we sometimes seem to lord ourselves over them as though we can't forgive them for what they've done to us. But because we know the peace that we have with God, because we have that joy with the Lord, because we know we are forgiven by God, we're able to forgive those around us. How much of the conflict that is in your life is simply because you won't forgive those around you? You won't confess your own sin to the people and ask for forgiveness, and you won't forgive them for what they've done. How could they say that to me? How could they do that to me? I'm never forgiving them. And so the conflict continues. But if you have peace with God, that then comes out of you and transcends all those relationships that are around you and you start to be able to forgive people because you know how much you've been forgiven by God. 
There's a wonderful parable that Jesus tells in the New Testament about a king forgiving a huge debt to one of his citizens. Huge monetary debt. A debt that no one could repay. And then that servant goes out and beats up another servant for owing a very small amount of money to him. And the illustration is so powerful because that's how we are acting towards those around us when we don't want peace with them, when we don't want to forgive them. We're acting like that servant who was forgiven much but then wouldn't forgive even the tiniest little thing that someone did to him. So Jesus brings peace to us in our relationship with God but also peace to those around us. And it continues. It goes on without end. That wonderful passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that speaks about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, it actually says in the next verse, on page uh, 683, page 683, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, after speaking about the Messiah, in verse 7, little number 7, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That peace that you start to enjoy with people around you won't actually end. Eventually, you'll go to heaven where you'll be at peace with everyone, where people won't be able to sin. A lot of people like the, look, the sound of heaven because it's going to have, you know, the, we're going to be uh, given so much. It'll be so, it will be joyful all the time. There'll be great blessings and, and the streets paved with gold. Won't it be wonderful? One of the reasons I'm looking forward to heaven is that I won't be able to sin any longer. I won't be able to say dumb things to those around me and cause conflict with them. I won't have a problem with forgiveness anymore towards those around me. It'll be marvellous, and it will go on without end. It's incredible to think about what heaven will be like if there is no sin. I was just saying to one of the members in this church just yesterday, if there's no sin in, in heaven, then whole industries will be um, defunct. They won't have a place. The locksmiths, uh, security industries, there's no need for them in heaven. I'm, I'm really looking forward to not having to use keys anymore. I lost my keys uh, earlier this week. They're somewhere in the house. I know they're there somewhere because I saw them. And it's real pain trying to find them. And in the end, I got other keys cut. But if there were no thieves, there'd be no locks and there'd be no keys and I wouldn't be delayed every day trying to undo locks and I wouldn't be delayed trying to find keys in the house. But that's what heaven will be like. There's no sin there anymore. There's no conflict with those around us. It is a peace that will have no end it will go on for all of eternity so jesus brings peace between us and god jesus brings peace between us and others and there's no end to that peace that peace that we have with god will have no end that peace that we enjoy with other humans will have no end what other peace that does jesus bring as the prince of peace well that brings me to my third main point this morning the prince grants peace within humans the prince grants peace within humans if we're honest we're not just at war with God, we're not just at war with those around us, we're at war within ourselves so much of the time. We fight our sinful desires, we know what we should do, but we end up doing the wrong thing. How many of you are going to overindulge at Christmas today? I need to put my hand up at that. I started last night already. I know I shouldn't eat this, but I really want to, and I end up eating it. I knew I shouldn't have too much pizza last night, but I ended up having more than I should. I went to bed with a full stomach. I'm at war with myself in that regard. I'm at war with my emotions. I'm at war with my fears that are within me. 
How many of us struggle with different fears in our lives? Fear of man, fear of, fear of what other people will think of us, what other people might say about us, fear of what other people might do to us. We worry and worry and worry. We're at war within ourselves. Fear of failed ambitions, that we were wanting to do this and we weren't able to achieve it. Fear of pain, fear of suffering, fear of death. Do you worry about what will happen after death? Do you worry about the pain that you might experience, some disease that might come along and get you? But Jesus gives peace, not just between us and God, not just between us and man, but peace within ourselves. There's a contentment that can come from the Lord. He grants that to us as the Prince of Peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can you have such peace? How can you have peace of mind? How can you no longer be at war with yourself? Well, it's because once you know that you have peace with God, you can be content. No matter what comes, you know that that peace will go on for all of eternity, that you will be safe. No matter what happens to you in this world, you are safe. You're no longer working to have a right relationship with God and so you have all these ambitions that are failing or when you sin against God, you go, oh no, I'm at war with him again. No, if you have Jesus' blood, he cleanses you from past sin, present sin and future sin. And so you know that you don't have to work anymore, that you have a right standing with God because of your faith in God, because of your faith in Jesus' death. And so all the fears that you have of others go away as well. When you know that the next life, you will enjoy an eternal rest in heaven. No matter what happens to you in this world, you're secure. And that gives you a peace in your heart, a peace in your mind. So this Christmas... Do you feel at war with yourself? Are you going to make New Year's resolutions in a week's time and find that you're unable to fulfill them because of your own self? Do you feel at war with the world? At war with work colleagues, war with friends, family, next-door neighbours even? And do you feel at war with God? Does part of you know that you're at war with him that you're a rebel against God because you know you are a sinner do you want a peace that increases with no end do you want what is described in verse 5 of Isaiah 9 look with me at Isaiah verse 5 it says in Isaiah verse 5 every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire what's that saying saying that there's no need for warrior garments anymore there's no need for these things they're burnt up because you're no longer at war do you want that do you look forward to a time when there's no need for swords guns armor of any kind well that is what jesus brings come to the prince of peace he has shattered the yoke that is on us of sin and death that is there. That's described in verse 4. It says in verse 4 of Isaiah 9, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. God has shattered that yoke that is upon us. Do you want that? Well, come to Jesus in faith. Remember, that's all that is required. You just need to believe. And if you are a Christian, do you continue to remember that 
Through faith you can have peace with God, that you have this peace. How often as Christians do we get riled up by those around us, riled up within our own selves of our own emotions and desires, and we forget that peace that we have through Jesus Christ, that nothing can hurt us or harm us in this world, ultimately, because we have this eternal relationship that we have begun with Jesus Christ. He is indeed the Prince of Peace. He is Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Everlasting Father. But he's also Prince of Peace. And that is why we celebrate Christmas, really, because of that peace that we now have with God, that God himself came into this world so that we could know peace with him, with the others, and within ourselves. And many of us in this room have found that peace. If you haven't, speak to us afterwards. Speak to me, speak to one of the members nearby. They'd be more than happy to tell you about the peace that they have in their lives because of the Prince of Peace who reigns over them. Let us come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for what your word proclaims about your son, that he is indeed the Prince of Peace, and that peace has come through his blood shed on the cross for us, that you went to war with your son many years ago so that we would no longer be at war, so that we could have peace with you, that that punishment that we deserve was paid. And so, Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you that all we need to do is trust. And so, Lord, we pray that we would do so. If there's anyone in this room who does not trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, we pray that they may do so. May they recognize they are a rebel against you and want that peace through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that we may seek peace with those around us as we know the peace that we have with you. May we have it with those around us who we're at conflict with. May we have forgiveness in our hearts towards them. And Lord, we pray that we may have peace within. Grant peace to our minds, peace to our hearts, as we enjoy that marvellous hope that we have, as we consider that we will live eternally with the Prince of Peace in heaven itself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.